Thank you for tuning into this week's message from Freedom Church CO in Woodland Park, Colorado. If you want to know more about us, you can visit freedomchurchco.com or follow us on social media at Freedom Church CO. Glory to God. God is good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, it is true. We are moving to Texas. Yep, so for lots of reasons, but primarily Sharon. So that's why we're going to Texas. Because I was content being where I'm at. And, you know, I hate moving, really. You know, I really do. By the way, thank you so much, uh, Joe and Tessa, Pastor, for having me here tonight. But I appreciate it. Love this church. Love what God's doing here. But anyhow, back to my moving story. So what I was going to do was, you know, I just felt like I wasn't going to move. Sharon wanted to move. She wants to get out of the high altitude. She hates the snow. I don't want to move. Uh, actually, to tell you the truth, I'm really indifferent about it. I don't, I, when I think about moving, I don't have uh, a place in my heart where it, it, it scares me or I'm terrified or I don't have any peace. And when I think about, when I thought about moving before we started moving, I really didn't have a strong desire. So I didn't lose my peace and I didn't have a strong desire. So I was talking to Pastor Greg on the phone and I was like, Pastor Greg, what do I do? Sharon's driving me crazy here. You know, I, I really don't have a word from God to say, thus saith the Lord, go to Texas. You know what I'm saying? I'm not dreaming of Bucky's, the little, you know what I'm saying? Have you ever had those little uh, cra saltine crackers with the ranch-flavored saltine crackers? Oh, my Lord. Texas crack is what it is. But anyhow, there, there you have me. But anyhow, back to my story. And what happened was, I told him, told him what I just told you. I don't have a strong desire to go when I think about moving. I don't lose my peace like God's saying no. I don't have a green light. I don't have a red light. What do I do? And then he rehearsed everything that I said to make sure that he was understanding me clearly. And he goes, well, it's really easy. I, it is? I said, this is awesome. He goes, it's really easy to, to, to discern the will of God in this situation. I go, okay, you don't have a red light. Nope, you don't have a green light. Yep, I don't. He goes, this is what you do. I go, okay, I'm ready for like this profound spiritual truth that Pastor Greg is gonna dump on me. He goes, do what your wife wants to do. <laughs> I got off the phone, hung up. Hey, Sharon, we're moving. So this move is, is, is Sharon's fault, hallelujah, and Pastor Greg's fault, amen. And uh, you know, when you move, you remember muscles that you have forgotten about that you haven't used. And when you're going to Texas, you, re, you, you locate sweat glands that you never knew you had. I didn't know that part of my body could sweat. Glory to God, hallelujah. But you know what? God is good. And uh, once we made the decision to move, finances opened up, invitations opened up, our itinerary was full. We emerged from a season of where God was laying roots and branches, and now we're ready to, we're ready to go forward. And then we got, you know, and what's good is, you know, there's times where you're so in ministry and you're desperate to have any opportunity to preach. You just want to go and minister and, and, and to get started. You know, in, in the life of Jesus found in uh, the, the temptations that he went through in Luke chapter uh, 3 are the three stages of ministry. Amen? Let's go there. Let's look at that. Go to Luke chapter uh, 3 and let's talk about the three stages of ministry. That's how we're going to put this together, what God told me to do today and what God has told me to, to declare over you today. Go to Luke, did I say Luke? Luke chapter 3. And we're, and we're looking at the temptation of Jesus and we're, I'm going to talk about what we're going through right now and relate it to what the Spirit of God has showed me about what you're going through right now in Freedom Church, many of you. And there are three stages of ministry and we got to recognize those, recognize what stage we're in, because each stage that we're in, we respond differently, right? Well, at the end of, uh, uh, well, Luke chapter uh, 3, verse 21. But before we go into uh, ministry, we got to recognize what Jesus did before he went to the temptation. 
Now, when all people, all the people were baptized, Luke 3, 21, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was open. Amen? The heaven opened up. How many people know under the new covenant, the heaven never closed? The heavens opened on the day of Pentecost, they never closed. You got the Holy Ghost, amen? If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're born again, you speak in tongues, you ain't got a generic Holy Ghost. You don't lack anything. All you got to do is the key to activating is recognizing and acknowledging the reality of what is going, not based on your feelings, which are fickle, but based on the word of God. Your feelings lie to you all the time. I mean, you don't know when you lift weights, you feel like you're going to die. But the reality is you're going to get healthy, right? And, 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 uh, and, and it's good. It's, it, it feels bad, but it's actually good. If you eat Dunkin' Donuts, two dozen Dunkin' Donuts, Boston cream-filled donuts, come on, can I get a witness? Glory to God. You can eat two dozen of them every day, and it feels good, but it's going to turn out bad. You're going to build a room addition for the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's what I'm saying. You don't want to do that. But what I'm saying, there are things that feel, so your feelings are not a good indication of reality. And when you're setting boundaries, you feel in relationships, you feel like you're going to be alone, but the truth is you're going to have healthier relationships. Your feelings are opposite, always opposite. 99.9% your feelings are not a good indication of what's going on. So just ignore them. Your feelings make a great servant, but a terrible master. So what I do is you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You got to recognize and acknowledge it according to truth. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this. You can count it all joy because of what you know, not because of what you feel. He didn't say check your feelings. He said check your knower. And your knower needs to override, praise God, your feelings. So there, the heavens opened up, verse 22, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him and a voice came from heaven which said thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Before Jesus got started in ministry, he was full of the Holy Spirit. Before you get started, you gotta get full of the Holy Spirit. Now being full of the Holy Spirit is, how many people know, if you've been here at Karis, if you've been around Joe or Tessa, you probably know that your spirit, soul and body. The Spirit of God's got to get out of your spirit and get into your soul, affect your will, your mind, and emotions, and the Holy Spirit has to affect your body. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, spirit, soul, and body. I need to, you know, in your body, we're talking about manifestations of the Spirit. I don't want to just give you words. I want to give you more than words. I'm talking about the power of God manifesting and the fruit of that manifesting, the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit together, right? Be a dynamic person when you got the fruit and the gifts, amen? So he was full of the Holy Spirit. Then a voice came from heaven and said, thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He was full of the word of God. He had a revelation of God's love through the voice of God. You gotta be full of the Spirit. You gotta be full of the love of God and you gotta be full of the Word of God. And if you're full of the, well, I, I would actually reverse that a little bit, full of the Word, full of the, full of the uh, 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 love of God, a revelation of the love of God and full of the Spirit of God. You gotta get filled up before you go in. Amen? And you'll know Right now, one of the biggest tests to whether or not you're filled with the love of God is when people reject you. Do people's opinion move you or do you like, I'm cool. Now, I don't want people to hate me. I want to be loved by everybody and liked by everybody all the time, but it ain't going to happen. I'm going to be a big compromising preacher entertaining a bunch of goats if I go to be loved by everybody all the time. 
And I haven't been called to feed goats. I've been called to feed sheep. And milk goats and beat the fire out of wolves. Amen? That's, that's, that's the people that are in the church. Sheeps, goats, wolves. Which one are you? Amen? Don't be a wolf. Turn to verse, uh, chapter 4, and we'll go there. And then Jesus being, verse 1, Luke 4, 1. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Right? Because he said, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. That is a declaration that he is the son of God, the Christ, the one that Moses and the laws have talked about. The, devil, the word got out, the Christ is here. And the devil's like, I gotta go and have a conversation with him because he's about ready to rock my world. And I'm gonna try to thwart the plan of God in his life. The announcement of his ministry at the River Jordan. And the devil came to tempt him. And boy, ain't that the way you start off a ministry? Get filled with the Holy Ghost, full of the word, full of the love of God, and go into the wilderness. That is not where you start a ministry. Hello, God, we have a problem. We do not go into the wilderness to start a ministry. But sometimes you need to be tested. And God doesn't test you with sin. God tests you with obedience. And the more, there's some of you God can't use because God's got to tell you four times to do something before you even consider it and you're not usable. God's been texting you and emailing you and calling you and you keep kicking him over to voicemail. And the only time you seek the Lord is when you're in a, when your comfort is being disrupted. If I was the devil, I would make you prosperous, fat, and happy, and you'll never do anything for the kingdom of God. But the minute you get under a little pressure, man, you push into God so that you can go back to business as usual. See, what's harder to overcome, you know, pleasure and comfort is harder to overcome than pain and trials and temptations. Because when it comes to pain, trials, and temptations, God is your way out. Your flesh is trying to get out of trials and temptations and pain and pressure and trying to get into pleasure. So we got to, you know, and, and that's something you got to face sometimes. You got to do it, you know. You, know, you got to, God, help me out here. Hallelujah, I got money in the bank now. I'm married I can eat all the ribeye steak I want. I can go see Colonel Sanders twice a week. Original recipe. Glory to God. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. I can get buckets of bird. But you know what? Now, you know, it's, it's like all of a sudden everything's going good. And we got to beware that when things go good in prosperity that we don't fall back and pull back. Amen. See, here's the thing. I'm going to say this. The majority of people's relationship with God and the word, I'm talking about believers. They use everything for personal affirmation. That's all they do. You're, they use God like a junkie to feel good about themselves and have no plans to be transformed or to change. They use grace for personal affirmation and not accountability, responsibility, and actually doing something for the kingdom of God. It's all about feeling good about yourself. And there ain't nothing wrong with feeling good about yourself, but you gotta go beyond that. So I give you a prophetic word, it made you feel good, and then you lay it in the shelf, you put it in a file, collecting cobwebs and dust with all the other prophetic words that were spoken over you and you don't do anything with them. Because you received it on a soulish level for personal affirmation 
and not the equipping and the empowering, giving you a shield and a sword so that you can do warfare and take territory and go from a prophetic word that does more than give you personal affirmation, but brings you to a destination and a destiny. Amen? And we all got to deal with it because we got flesh. Flesh. Pampered flesh. I'm going to start out a podcast. Pampered flesh. How not to fast. How not to pray. How not to, and you know what? When your flesh gives you a fit, there's times I go pray in the Holy Ghost and my flesh gives me a fit. It wants to do it. It wants to clean closets and anything except praying in tongues. And I'm like, good. You know what? When, when it's the hardest to do, that's when it's exerting the most power. So I'm saying, flesh, come on now. You and I, are, we're going to power through this. And I'm going to power through it. And I'm going to get a breakthrough. But anyhow, sorry. But anyhow. So after, afterwards, he was hungered. Verse 2. Before being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. We're talking about the three stages of ministry. Before you go into ministry, full of the word of God, full of the love of God, full of the spirit of God. Amen? And he went in there. He was, he was hungry. And if anybody knows anything about fasting, when you go on a fast, about four or five days, the hunger will leave. When the hunger returns, you need to eat because you're starting to starve to death. This was legit. Jesus was starting to starve to death. He was going to die. And the devil said unto him, if thou be the son of God, if this Christ ministry, if you're the Christ, the son of God, command that stone be made into bread. Now I'm like, whatever. I'm telling you, have you ever had Ezekiel bread? I hope it was an Ezekiel bread. If the devil was tempting him to change something into Ezekiel bread, I was like, that's no temptation. You're gonna, you're gonna have to bring it up like Domino's pizza or something like that, you know? But Ezekiel bread, hallelujah. I would rather eat a Brillo pad than, a, than have Ezekiel bread. I'm like, hey, I got a stain in the shower that won't come out. Give me some Ezekiel bread. Amen? Nasty stuff. Hey, I don't know what gluten is, but you know what? It sure does taste good. Holy cow. I don't know what it is, but man, it makes the world a happier place. So now, that's what he tempted him with. And he said, it is written that, that, man, shall, uh, not, sh that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of the mouth of God. The first thing, the first stage of ministry is survival. Survival. And, th and there's going to be three S's. It's where... You're just trying to get gigs. You want to preach. You would like to have a steady paycheck. Glory to God. I mean, you're believing God for everything. Lord, help me, Jesus. You go there, Lord, please let people show up. Hallelujah. How you doing? Yeah, we went to Bible college together. Uh, uh, I heard you got a church. Yeah, I'm a prophet. Can I come over? You know what I'm saying? You're in survival mode. Anybody been there? And what you got to do is when you're in that survival mode, you got to be careful not to come off self-centered. You got to come, when you call ministries and you want to preach and you want to minister and you want to go somewhere, you got to come off, don't treat people. You got to be careful that you don't come off like you're just trying to fill your itinerary where you really love the people that you're ministering to. Sometimes when you're in survival mode, it's like you're exhausted, you're swimming, you're treading water, and you're desperately grabbing a hold of anything that's floating. And there's been a time here when you started off, I started off, that you were in survival mode. And in survival mode, the devil gets in front of you and tries to hinder you with temptations and trials. And, and what he does is the devil is a flesh devil, and therefore he uses the five senses. He's not a spiritual devil. He's spiritually dead. 
So what he does is he's a flesh devil and he tries to overwhelm your five senses with contrary information to get you, to try to get you to believe that the promises of God, the purpose of God and the prophecies of God spoken over you are not true. So you'll let go and abandon it. You're the running back with the football and the devil's trying to tackle you and put his helmet on the ball of the word of God so that you'll fumble. And what you gotta do is go back and remind yourself of what, the, what, God is, what God has said. What did God say? And they keep on believing. I graduated in 2015 from ministry school. I got done out of ministry school. I sat there and looked at my cell phone. It didn't ring one time. I had two gigs. Two churches called me and the first one took six months to do it. And I went back there and I'm climbing ladders, painting houses, digging fence post holes. Glory to God. I was like, it was not fun. But you know, it takes time. What did God say? During that time, the word was tested. What do I believe about the word of God? And I had to go back there. And there's some of you right now, there's businesses you have. There's healing and you're being tested because the enemy's opposing you. It's kind of like this. I saw a lady that one time was having a hard time getting healed. And I had a vision of her. And she was in a prison and the prison door was open. And she had this big boa constrictor wrapped around her. And every time she would confess the word, the boa constrictor would constrict and literally take the air out of, her, out, out of her lungs. She'd lose her breath. And what the Lord told me was that every time she was trying to confess healing, the devil would bring lying symptoms like a boa constrictor and constrict to get her to stop speaking the word of God. And that's what the enemy will do. The enemy will get in front of you. You're in survival mode to hinder you. And then the devil take them up to a high mountain, verse five, and showed him survival uh, unto the king of, and showed him, uh, showed him uh, unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said, "All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for this for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it, if thou will if thou will worship me, uh, uh, if thou will worship me, all shall be thine." The first one was what survival. The second one is success. You're not surviving anymore, you got success. He said, now if you're, gonna, you're not gonna give up on the word of God, I'm gonna give you a plan to bring about success. I'm going to bring to you a perverted shortcut. I could not get in front of you, front of you and stop you, so I'm gonna get behind you and push you where you start doing the good thing instead of the God thing. And this is the word I have for this church right now. I had, I had, what the word I had for this church and for you guys is right now, you guys are in the success mode right now. And what you gotta do, what the Lord told me to tell you was this, go back and remember the vision. The enemy's gonna try to widen and get you to do a bunch of stuff that's not God, it will be good. You'll be successful, but it won't be God. Go back, remember the vision, and stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. And don't let the enemy, call. he will offer you other kingdoms, a shortcut to success. And it will be the God thing. It will be a good thing and not the God thing. He'll get behind you and push you. You got money now. You got resources now. You're able to do something. You're not driving the jalopies anymore. You know what a jalopy is? You know Hansel and Gretel, in order not to get lost, they would do a trail of breadcrumbs. The jalopy driving, and I, I, if you got a company, people know having a car is better than having no car at all. Amen, right? 
So if you're driving a jalopy, it's okay. But you know what? If you ever get lost, all you gotta do is follow. I've, drove, I've driven these cars before. All I gotta do is follow the trail of transmission fluid, oil, and antifreeze, and I'll get back home. You know the special car that you can only start and drive? You gotta tap on your foot, wiggle the key, pull the stick, you know what I'm saying? And then it starts up or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody ever had those special cars? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But now you got a good car. Now the pressure's off of you. And now there's a time to go back in lazy boy faith and just coast. Amen? And what we got to do is during that time is we got to remember what God told us to do. And let go, let go of, of the good in order to grab, reach forth and grab a hold of the God. And many times, he's gonna offer you a substitute, a shortcut. Have you passed the success test? Amen? Amen. And then he says right here, verse eight. And Jesus answered and said, and I'm getting behind me, Satan, for it is written, I shall worship the Lord thy God and him only shall they serve. Notice, he quoted the word of God. Every time he quoted the word of God, he was full of the word and knew what the word said. Luke chapter four, verse eight. Verse nine, and then he brought him the third test. He brought him unto the, to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of a temple and said unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands, they shall bear thee up, least at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. What, so we got what? Survival, right? Success. Now the third test, significance. There comes a time in your life, you've shifted out of the survival, you got success. Now you can have conferences. Now you can have church services. People show up. You're being invited, right? But then you go from there and success is awesome, but now... I want more than, I want something more than success. I want significance. I want to make a difference. I don't want to be in ministry just to be in ministry. I don't want to be, you know, a pastor of Freedom Church just to be a pastor of Freedom Church. Where are we going? What are we doing? What is our final destination? I want my life to count. I'm not here to fill space and waste time and waste energy and impress people and just be successful for the name of success. I want to have significance. I want lives to be changed. When I leave, I want to leave. I want to leave in my wake, not a bunch of body bags, but a bunch of disciples. I want to make a difference. I want to blow a hole through the gates of hell. I want to plunder hell and populate heaven in the name of Jesus. That's what I want. I want more than just prophesying over people. I want to prophesy strategically and have my tongue be that of a surgeon scalpel that sets the courses of people's lives. Amen? I don't want Hollywood. Too many Hollywood preachers. Because they sold out to success and never went to the next stage of significance. I ain't naming any. Hallelujah. But anyhow, verse 12. And Jesus said unto him, it is, it is said that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So what happened was significance. All right, you're not gonna buy, you pass the success the, the survival test. You passed the uh, uh, success test. Now the significance. If you're going to be Christ and you want to make your debut as being Christ, here's another shortcut. Go to the temple where all the temples where all the center of Jewish activity is coming. They're waiting in anticipation for the Christ. Make your debut by getting up on a pinnacle and jumping down and having angels catch you. I am Christ. Here I am, the one you've been waiting for. But he didn't do it. That wasn't God's way. 
talked about fivefold ministry in Ephesians chapter 4. What he get, he ascended and gave gifts unto men. But what is it that he first descended before he ascended? I used to think, man, Paul is waxing eloquent about that. That's nice, whatever. I don't understand what you're saying. It looks like you got off your medication and you're just adding words to have more. Like he had, give me 400 word essay or 400 letter to the Ephesians and he had to add some more words, right? But what he's talking about is he's talking about Ephesians chapter four. He's talking about fivefold ministry. And what he's saying is this, fivefold ministry people, you have, just like Christ, the door to promotion is not in the top, it's in the bottom. You have to descend before you ascend. Servitude. He made himself as a, as a servant. And he humbled himself and became obedient even unto the death of the cross. The mind of Christ is humility and obedience. And he was given the name that was above every name. God will make your name great if you'll enter in through the bottom door and not try to enter in through the top. Amen. And what he was doing here, the devil was trying. He took him to the pinnacle of the temple so he would enter in through the top instead of through the bottom. Because when you enter in through the bottom door, it doesn't, it's not fast and furious, it's slow and steady. And slow and steady is better than fast and furious. And better is the little that the righteous has than the great wealth of the wicked. That's in Psalms chapter 37, talking about self-promoters. It's better to have little doing it God's way than having a lot doing it man's way. Amen? So he did that. But, and, then, and then Jesus, what? He took the form of a servant and he, he made himself a no reputation. You don't get promoted. You get promoted. The door of promotion is servitude, not reputation. Amen? And he was given a name above every name. You turn to Isaiah chapter 14, the devil went to promote himself. I will exalt myself. I will be like the most high. Right, Isaiah chapter 14. So we go there and, and then what happened was, you know, here's the deal. You read in Ezekiel, right? About the devil having all these jewels in him. When he was Lucifer, cherubim that covered, right? I mean, he had onyx, he had diamonds, he had everything, right? Imagine if we had this woman here that got this big honking rock engagement ring. Every, you know how all the ladies do, show me what he gave you. Ooh, glory to God. <laughs> Go up to glass, we gotta make sure it's real, not a cubic zocardium, right? And that diamond, it glistens in the light, right? The devil fell in love with himself. He's the first narcissist. He had all these jewels and stuff, right? But if you turn off the light, how beautiful is a jewel with no light? He was a giant strobe bulb or strobe light meant to reflect the glory of God. What brought him beauty was not the jewels, but it was the reflection of the glory of God off the jewels. And he thought the reflection was coming. He was a reflection of God's glory. The glory did not come from him. You can take the best jewel and without light, it is, it's nothing. The light makes it beautiful. The light of God's glory shining off the devil's jewels, Lucifer at the time made him beautiful, but he thought it was him. And he exalted himself. And because he exalted himself and tried to ascend, he tried to ascend, I will ascend. He's brought to the lowest point and his name will forever be forgotten. Jesus descend and was given a name above every name. Don't throw yourself off of the pinnacle of the temple to make your debut. He lifted him up. He ascended him to an elevated position to make his debut. Survival, success, significance. And Jesus did not take the shortcut. Look at verse 14. He did it God's way. 
Look at verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region about, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Survival. God's answer to survival was the power of the Holy Ghost. Woo! Turn up the, I like the power. Come on now. I got the power. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's awful. Hallelujah. I know. Sorry, I will not do that again. People are like, oh man, that hurt. So he returned the power, answered the power of God manifesting in your life. Who wants to have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof? Who wants to be supernatural versus being super, uh, a superficial being versus being supernatural? I want to be supernatural, not superficial. Power. The power of God answered the survival question. And there went out a fame throughout him all the region round about. The success, God made him famous. God made him famous. And when God promotes you, they can't take it away. Self-promotion is labor intensive. It will wear you out. Amen. And then finally, the thing he taught in their synagogue, significance, being glorified of all. You don't ask somebody to come and teach unless you honor them and they have something, they have something worth saying unless they have significance. The power of God, the fame, and, and teaching in the synagogues, those are the answers of God. You gotta not take the shortcut. And what I'm just saying here is this, it's not a big deal, God's just making you aware. You got success, you got more access to resource. Make sure you clearly are in your boundary. Go back and read the vision so that you can run. Well, vision needs to be clear. The reason a vision needs to be clear is so that you can run. How back in chapter two. So what's going on here is this, you gotta click so that you're not in the weeds. You're on the fairway. You're on the right path. You make the vision clear so that you can run. Because God is saying right now, remember what I said. Because there's gonna be an acceleration of things and I'm going to increase your capacity. God, you, God, God, you cannot move fast on what God wants you to do unless there's clarity. You do not run in the dark. You run in the light. And God is just saying that the devil is going to, is moving from being behind you to being in front of you to getting behind you to push you. And don't let him push you. I'm not going to be driven. I'm going to be led. And I, and I'm going to tell you something. Well, people sometimes put pressure on you as a pastor. People got ideas. And some ideas are good and some ideas are bad, right? Okay, can we just say that? But you need to say, I say this. I look in the mirror. And I look at people, I'm going, to say this to, I'm going to say this to you, don't get mad at me. I don't work for you. You are not my boss. I don't care what you think. I work for Jesus. And if you like me or don't like me, I'm okay with it. If you all like me as a prophet, then I better check myself. Because that means I'm compromising. I am not going to lick my finger up, uh, lick my finger, put it up in the air and find out which way the wind is blowing and position myself to receive the best benefit. Sometimes when God talks to me, I'm going to go against the wind. And that's the whole thing. Amen? I don't work for you and you don't work for me either. You work for God. And I just want to encourage you, get, you know, hallelujah, God loves you. But if, but if you want to go where God wants you to go, you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to be free from the opinion of other people. And that's okay. I'm not trying to be everybody's cup of tea. Now, again, I'm not trying to be mean and condescending. But you know what? If you're going to obey God, you're going to, eventually somebody's going to get upset at you. Somebody's going to get upset. Somebody's not going to like you. 
and that's okay. So I just want to encourage you, you know, I just want to encourage you, just do what God's, remember what God's told you to do. Make it clear. Go back and remember, are we on assignment? Are we on spot? What has God called us to do? And then do that. You can't do everything. But, you, but we all have been given specialized grace, specialized gifting, specialized equipping. And, and, and God just wants you to, to stay on target because there's pressure to go do stuff. Now we've went and we've had conferences and we've been successful at it. I can have conferences everywhere, anywhere I want to, if I wanted to. But I'm asking God, where do you want me to go? God said, I want you to go to Cincinnati. God said, I want you to go to North Carolina. I, I, I want you to go to Oklahoma City. And that's where I'm going now. I'm not trying to have conferences just to have conferences. Because you see what I'm saying? The enemy could get behind me and push me and then it just becomes, here's the thing. My house has been, has been declared to be a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of thieves. You ready? In ministry, your ministry will either be birthed out of intimacy through prayer or by default, you will follow a business model. If you don't pray and seek God, by default, you'll become a business model. And you're not meant to, there's a business side to it, but you know what? There's many things that God tell you to do that are bad business. Come on, you know it. No, we're not gonna make money there. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So the question is, are you birthing your, is it being birthed out of prayer and intimacy with God? Or are you falling back by default into a business model? You know, and then it's all about marketing. And the Lord told me about marketing. And because you know what? To market or not to market? The Lord said this, you ready for about marketing? Marketing serves the ministry. The ministry never serves marketing. Ministry, marketing serves the ministry. The ministry never serves marketing. So right here, we got, every one of us is gonna face these three temptations. What are you gonna do about survival? How will you handle success? How will you handle significance? Will you yield to the temptation to take the shortcut or will you do it God's way? And if you do it God's way, God will answer by power. He'll make you famous, hallelujah, and then you'll be in a position to influence other people. Amen? Amen. Father God, we just thank you. We worship you. We praise you. Hallelujah. We just worship you, worship you, worship you. Let you have your way, Holy Spirit, in this place today to do what you can only do. Amen? You know, there's some people too, when I say that, you know, God, I'll give you a little tip. I'll give you a little tip. Sunday, God told me about this. God told me in the area of the prophetic, he goes, it's not only important that you hear what I'm saying but you also receive from me the way I want it to be said. You know, there's some people that if I come off harsh like I did a little, you know, I came a little firm. Man, they'll crumble. They'll, they'll fall apart like a $2 suit. They'll fold like a lawn chair. Some of you are like, folding like a lawn chair. Back in the 70s, the lawn chairs used to fold. Means really easy, okay? Go look it up, Google it. 1970 lawn chair. But what, what I'm trying to say is there are some people that I have to, you have to really be careful and you gotta talk to them gently or they'll just shut down. Yeah. And there's other people, if you talk to them gently, they won't respect you. You gotta take your foot and kick them upside the head. <laughs> Paul said that. Paul said go to, he said, told, he told Titus when going to the creation, he said rebuke them sharply. And he turned around the, that island in three years. If he would have went into that sailor time and tried to affirm them and make them feel good, those sailors would have beat him up and sent him out of town on a rail. 
You know what I'm saying? So what you got to do is there's some people, you know, you got to go. I believe that God just wanted me to speak that way. But there's some people, they can't handle it. But, you know, don't reject it. Here's the thing. Would you reject $100,000 because it came in a brown paper bag instead of a Samsonite briefcase? That's what I'm saying. I'm a brown paper bag. Okay? I'm not a Samsonite leather kid. You know? Sorry. I'm just thinking about it. I'm thinking about, what was her name? What was her name? Oh, Samsonite. Anybody that's watched Dumb and Dumber know what I'm talking about. Her name was Samsonite. Anyhow, never mind. Hallelujah. But what I'm trying to say is, don't read, just because it doesn't come the way you want it to come, you can still receive. So what we're doing is, man, God knows how you, God knows how you need, how you'll receive. I'm like, hallelujah. I get tired of people that beat, for me, that beat around a bush and want to worry about how I feel. For crying out loud, just say it already. And then there's other people, you got to really navigate their feelings all the time. And that's okay. We're all built differently. And what we got to do is not only important what we say, but how we say it. You know what? And you know, I've had people leave before, and that's okay. You know, and you know, the thing is, if somebody, if somebody does do that when you're talking, if you're ever ministering, they get up and leave, you don't know why they left. Maybe they had heartburn. You don't know. Maybe they had to go to the bathroom. I remember I came back from doing a little loop in Texas, right? Doing a little loop in Texas for three weeks. I'm down there preaching. We're moving. I come back to Karis Bible College, go to teach. People are getting up. A couple of people got up. They had to answer their phone and they left. And I'm like, I'm feeling like I'm under a demonic attack. <laughs> the devil's in here. <laughs> hey, you know what I'm talking about? Your, your mouth, you're preaching the message, but your mind is like, so, there's devils here. <laughs> there's devils in the room in the name of Jesus. So I'm, while I'm doing it in my mind, I'm binding, and, binding the devil in the name of doing warfare doing spiritual warfare up in the heavenlies. And I get done, and I tell Sharon, I get done ministering, and I said, Sharon, I said, it was like the devil was resisting me and the people weren't receiving. She goes, you big dummy. I go, big dummy, what are you talking about? You've been in Texas at sea level for three weeks. It's not the devil. You're having trouble breathing while you're preaching. I was like, yeah, that's what it was. It was the high altitude devil. You see what I'm saying? You can't look. You can't. And then there's other people. I mean, you should see yourself when I'm up there preaching. Some of you are looking at me like this. You look like you're going to meet me out in the parking lot with a machete. And yet, after, after I get to preaching, you're like, oh, that really blessed me, brother. I'm like, okay, put your machete back. But you can't be moved by that stuff. So prophetically, you got to just say what God wants you to say sometimes and the way he wants you to deliver it. You know, sometimes God will say, speak to this person publicly. And then sometimes he'll give you another word, same word, different person, speak to them privately. You know what I'm saying? Because God knows. God knows how people need it. Right? We all don't eat our hot dog the same way. Just because you like mustard on it don't mean everybody needs mustard on their hot dog. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. And God will tell you how to present it to, according to your crowd. And when he tells you to do it, just do it. Some people get, some people you got to get mad. I'm talking about really mad. There's a guy across the line from me at Honda, and I'm, I'm going to prophesy, so we're just talking. We're talking. He's Roman Catholic. He was Irish, redhead, white skin. I'd get him so mad, tell him he had to be born again, stop trusting in himself. He'd turn so beet red. He'd get mad at me and tell me never to talk to him again. Then I'd come back next day to work across from him and get him mad again. And, and he had Methodist friends. He was Roman Catholic. And, they, and he was talking to them about what I was saying. He'd go home mad the whole time. And guess what he was saying? The whole time he was driving home, half an hour from the workplace to where he lived. Every night when I got him mad, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he shall not enter the kingdom of God. He was mad, and that's all he could think. He comes up late. Uh, we both transfer on different lines. He comes to me, and he said, I want to thank you. 
My Methodist friends really wanted to talk to me that direct and they couldn't do it, but you could do it. And when you did it, I was calling them on the phone and they would massage the word in. And he goes, I wouldn't have came to the Lord any other way had you not got it in my face. This idea that we just need to, we just need to tiptoe through the tulips. We don't need, now again, there's a difference between being bold and being mean and ugly. I'm not talking about being mean and ugly, but I'm talking about sometimes, hallelujah, transgender getting up in my face. Well, I'm going to, hey, I love you, but you know what? Come on. You're going to get it back. Amen. You're going to get it back. I ain't compromising. I ain't going to walk. I ain't going to, I ain't going to sit there and walk through the tulips. And some of you need to get a little bit bolder, a little bit bolder. You ain't helping anybody. You cannot save people by hiding in the middle. All you're doing is they're going to leave anyhow. It's better that they do it sooner than they do it later. Drop a truth bomb on them and let them wrestle with the truth in their private life. Let them drive home for 30 minutes. If a man be born again, you know. He got saved. Amen. You think you're going to sit there and massage it in? Trying to be nice all the time. Sometimes you, who cares? Sometimes what people think is nice is not nice. If somebody was on fire, now you get out of the, in a house that was burning down, get out of the house now. Now come on, get out of the house. Right? And then they burn to death. Or somebody, you know what? Somebody can't see a car and they're about to get hit and you go and you, you do a, some WWE wrestling move on them and get them out of the way of the car. They're going to be mad at you. It's going to hurt them. They're going to get scraped. But then when they realize that you saved their life, they're going to thank you. They can't perceive what's hurting them. They're spiritually dead and you're alive. You're the doctor. You're on a rescue mission. If you got to, knock them out. Trank them until you say you can save them. You're coming out of the fiery house. You're not, I'm not gonna let you burn. I'm gonna have to, either you're coming easy or I'm gonna knock you out with my King James Bible. Which way do you want it now? There's a nice way and there's a mean way. But you're male and female and you need to leave your stuff alone. Stop cutting it off. Amen? Because you're confused and I'm doing you a favor. Amen? I don't hate you, I love you. But you might do something major that you might regret later. I'm just saying. Changing that stuff and getting a tattoo, those are two different things. Amen? Go get a tattoo. Freedom Church. Amen? That's what I'm saying. They're going to open it up and they hey, just here, I've been here for a while. Bzz, membership class. John 3.16 underneath. Hallelujah. It'd be good, right? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We thank you. Thank you for listening. If this message blessed you, please subscribe and share this with a friend. You can tune back in next week for another great message from Freedom Church. 